On today's story session, a tale about a dumb wizard and the most audacious disguise I've ever heard of. This is Fitcher's Bird. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Welcome to the Shadow Bear Story Sessions, the podcast about how brutally dark and totally insane folk tales and fairy tales used to be, which in my opinion just made them way better and more entertaining. So I've got the most true to the original version of Grimace Fairy Tales that I could find, and we're going through it front to back, story by story. We'll figure out the difference between the intended lessons of each story and the actual lessons of each story. And at the end of each episode, I'll adapt the tale into a movie or TV show. So let's get right to it with today's tale titled Fitcher's Bird. We begin. Once upon a time, there was a sorcerer who was a thief, and he used to go begging from house to house in the guise of a beggar. One time, a maiden opened the door and gave him a piece of bread. He only had to touch her to force her to jump into his basket. Then he carried her off to his house, where everything was splendid inside, and he gave her whatever she desired. Oh, well, that doesn't sound so bad as far as kidnappings go. I mean, sure, you could say it's a gilded cage, but maybe her home life sucked, and this is way better than her life before anyway. Personally, I'd be fascinated living with a sorcerer thief. I mean, getting whatever you want is a nice bonus, but can you imagine... The conversations and the stories you'd get talking to a sorcerer thief? That guy's done some crazy shit, and I want to hear all about it. That's what you call a good dinner party guest. Okay, well, he's a thief, so maybe not a good dinner party guest because he'd steal a bunch of shit from the dinner party. But my point is, it would be super interesting to live with this guy and, and do whatever you want. We continue. Sometime later... Oh, wait, don't just... Jump ahead, how's it going, this living arrangement, the two of them? Does she like it? Does she like him? Does she hate it? Don't just skip ahead, I want to know how everyone's feeling about this roomy situation. Sometime later, he said to her, I have some business to attend to outside the house, and so I must take a trip. Here is an egg. Take good care of it, and carry it with you wherever you go. I'm also giving you a key. And if you value your life, don't go into the room that it opens. Does she know which room it opens? Nevertheless, when he was gone, she went and opened up this room. They always do. And as she entered it, she saw a large basin in the middle with dead and butchered people lying in it. She was so tremendously horrified that the egg she was carrying plopped into the basin. To be sure, she quickly took it out and wiped the blood off, but the blood reappeared instantly. She wiped and scraped, but she couldn't get rid of the stain. But why wouldn't she just put it in her pocket? She was literally carrying it in her hand? She's asking for trouble. That way, it's an egg. If you drop it, it's gonna break, so just put it in your shirt pocket or something. Just get a little satchel or a fanny pack to put it in. I'm surprised it didn't break when she dropped it. But now we've got this this blood situation. We continue. When the man returned from his journey, he demanded the key and the egg. He looked at both of them, and he realized right away 
that she had been in the bloody chamber. She just tell him that she was like cooking something. She made a marinara sauce and dropped the egg in. Didn't you pay attention to my instructions? He said angrily. Now you'll go back into the bloody chamber against your will. Upon saying this, he grabbed her, led her to the chamber, chopped her into pieces, and tossed her into the basin with the others. You know, it always happens in stories, and it happens in life too, where someone is like, just promise me you won't do this one thing, or I, like, I know a secret, but I can't tell you. I'm just like, fine, don't tell me. If you can't tell me, then don't. I don't want to know something that I shouldn't know, because that kind of shit just always causes trouble. Gossip isn't that great, and it's usually not that interesting, because most people aren't that interesting. If someone finds out something that you actually should know, like that your girlfriend is cheating on you, or your life is in danger or something, they'll just tell you. They're not going to be like, oh, I, I shouldn't say, I can't tell you. So if someone says that there's something they can't tell me, or there's one thing I shouldn't do, I'm just not going to do the thing. And I don't want to know the thing they can't tell me. Because if it's important enough to say, don't do this one thing, then there's a good reason behind that. I don't need your gossip, and I probably wasn't going to do the thing you don't want me to do anyway. So who cares? And that was true in this case. I mean, someone might say, but then she wouldn't have found out that he's a fucking murderer who cuts people up. Well, then she should have left the moment she found that out. And if she couldn't leave, and the sorcerer had imprisoned her there, then... Follow the guidelines that this crazy sorcerer who's imprisoning you is setting out. I mean, yeah, it's awful that she was kidnapped and imprisoned, but at this point, it's about survival. If option one is follow this kidnapper's instructions and not only survive, but continue getting and doing whatever you want in this magical house, because as far as being in prison goes, that's probably the best case scenario. And then option two is break the one rule this kidnapper gave you and risk possibly being murdered because who knows what this sorcerer is going to do. You choose option one. You choose option one every time. Don't open the door. How many times have we seen this? It's literally in the story of Adam and Eve. This lesson goes back. Actually, that particular lesson or, or point in Adam and Eve warrants further discussion, but I won't get into it here. Anyway, I'm getting carried away. We continue. After some time had passed, the man went begging again and captured the second daughter. He took her from the house, and the same thing happened to her. She opened the forbidden door, let the egg fall into the blood, and was chopped to pieces and thrown into the basin. Man, they really glossed over the second sister's story. She only got a single paragraph. Story's like, whatever, rule of threes. There's going to be a second sister who dies, too, but don't worry about it. Let's just get on to the good stuff. We continue. Now the sorcerer wanted to have the third daughter as well, so he captured her and put her into his basket. There should be someone on the lookout for this guy after he took the second daughter. At this point, if any beggars with baskets come to the door, don't answer it. Move along, sir. After he returned home, he gave her the key and the egg before he set out on his journey. However, the third daughter was smart and cunning. She put the egg into a cupboard and then went into the secret chamber. Okay, that's not that cunning. She just put the egg in a cupboard? I assumed the sorcerer had some way of making sure she always had the egg, but I guess not. Pretty easy solution here. I mean, another solution is to just not drop the egg when you do go into the room. 
To be honest, it's actually pretty easy to get away with looking in the room. If you can outsmart the system by just putting the egg somewhere safe and then doing whatever the hell you want, this is actually a pretty terrible, dumb system. Moving on. When she found her sisters in the bloody basin, she looked all over the place for their missing parts and put them all together. Head, body, arms, and legs. So the two sisters came back to life. Well, this is a sorcerer's house, so I guess that kind of stuff can happen. I, I, I really hope she got the correct body parts, though. If one of the sisters ends up with a weird, hairy arm or something, she's, she's gonna be pissed. Or what if the youngest sister was like, I know what I'll do, I'll bring them back even better. They'll love that. Here, I gave you, you two super strong man's arms, so now you're stronger than ever before. And, and you've, you've always liked to swim, middle sister, so, so I gave you the biggest, flattest feet I could find to act as paddles, so now, now you can swim even faster. What do you think? Do, do you like it, sis? This is, this is way better, right? Then their sister led them out of the chamber and hid them. When the man came home... Okay, well, he's not just a man, he's a sorcerer. It's, it's probably super hard to become a sorcerer. Let's call him that. It's like calling your doctor bro. Like, okay, it's technically accurate, but come on. When the man came home and didn't find any bloodstains on the egg, he asked the third sister to become his bride. She said yes, but she told him that before she'd marry him, he had to fill his basket full of gold and carry it to her parents on his back. In the meantime... She would make preparations for the wedding. Instead, she stuck her sisters into the basket, covered them with gold, and told them that they were to get help from home. Now carry this basket to my parents, she said to the man, but don't dare to stop and rest along the way. I can see everything from my window. From her window? I guess it's not a very long walk back to her parents' house if she can see the whole journey from her window. But that means that when the sisters lived back with their parents, they could see the sorcerer's place? You'd think one of the previous sisters could have just yelled from the window at some point, then. Just wait for someone to walk outside and be like, Hey, the beggar was a sorcerer, and I'm trapped here. Yeah, I don't know why he didn't try to take me further away, but lucky for us, I guess. Okay, get me out of here now. We continue. So the man lifted the basket onto his back and went on his way. It was, however, so heavy that he was almost crushed to death by the weight. Okay, well, he must not be a very good sorcerer, then he can't even work out a spell to be able to carry the weight of two people. At one point, he wanted to rest, but one of the sisters immediately cried out from the basket... I see from my window that you're resting. Get a move on at once. He thought that it was his bride who was crying out, and so he immediately continued walking. Whenever he stopped along the way, he heard a voice and had to keep moving. All right, he should be able to tell if the voice is coming from inside the basket that's like a foot away from his head. They would be immediately found out. Not only is this guy a bad sorcerer, He's also just kind of an idiot. I guess that's not super surprising, considering he's the one who came up with the ironclad carry-this-egg-with-you plan that was easily thwarted by the sister just deciding not to carry it with her. All right, we continue. Back at his place, the bride took a skull 
decorated it with jewels, and set it on the window case. Then she invited the sorcerer's friends to the wedding, and after that was done, she dipped herself into a barrel of honey, cut open a bed, and rolled around in the feathers so that it was impossible to recognize her because she looked so strange. And this is how she set out on her way. All right. Soon she met some of the wedding guests who asked, Where are you coming from, O Fitcher's bird? From Fitzfitcher's house, haven't you heard? And what may the young bride be doing there? She's swept the whole house from top to bottom. Just now she's looking straight out the window. Soon thereafter, she met the bridegroom, who was on his return home. Okay, she met the sorcerer. He says, Where are you coming from, O Fitcher's bird? She replies, From Fitzfitcher's house, haven't you heard? He says, And what may the young bride be doing there? She replies, She's swept the whole house from top to bottom. Just now, she's looking straight out the window. The bridegroom looked and saw the decorated skull. He thought it was his bride and waved to her. However, once he and his guests were all gathered inside the house, the helpers who were sent by the sisters finally arrived. These people locked all the doors of the house, and then they set fire to it. And since nobody could get out, they were all burned to death. The End Uh, okay, all right. I love a story that ends with, and they were all burned to death. All right, what? What? Okay, first thing. So she could just leave. There was no magic keeping her inside the sorcerer's house, because she just walked out the fucking front door, apparently, and she was covered in fucking feathers when she did it, which is about as conspicuous as you could look while trying to make a sneaky escape. You'd also think that someone trying to escape would want to not draw attention to themselves. Just get a robe, rub some dirt on your face, pretend to be a beggar. This lady goes entirely the opposite direction. Kind of respect it, to be honest. Kind of respect the audacity of it. And makes herself look so insane that nobody would dare question someone who looks so ridiculous. And man, these people are not phased at all coming across a lady covered in honey and feathers. Because let's be honest... A person covered in feathers does not look like a bird. This disguise is terrible. Makes no sense. And all the guests who come across her, they ask, Where are you coming from, O Fitcher's bird? And then she says, From Fitzfitcher's house, haven't you heard? Firstly, no, they haven't heard. That's why they're asking you. But if they don't know that she came from Fitzfitcher's house, which I guess is the sorcerer's name, if that was not established, then why do they call her Fitcher's bird immediately upon seeing her. And how are they so casually calling her Fitcher's bird? She would just look like an insane woman covered in feathers. If you come across this person, you wouldn't be like, hey, buddy, where are you coming from? You'd be like, oh my god, what is going on? Is everything okay? Are you all right? Do you need help? What is happening? Even the sorcerer himself sees her and is like, hello, my bird. Where are you coming from? I mean, what? You, you know that you don't have a bird that looks like a lady covered in feathers. How is she fooling even you? Seriously, this sorcerer is so stupid. I, well, you know what this means, right? Actually, the only explanation for why this would work 
is if the sorcerer did already have a human woman constantly covered in feathers that he kept at his house and that everyone called Fitcher's bird, and the sister was doing an impression of that feather-covered lady as she made her escape. That is the only way that this would work. And another thing, why did she kill all the sorcerer's friends? That's some cold-blooded shit right there. I mean, sure, maybe some of them might have been accomplices, but a lot of people get invited to weddings. I don't know if the sorcerer's cousin's girlfriend deserved to die in a fire. Gonna be honest, this guy was a terrible sorcerer. So once she got her sisters put back together and back to life, they could have just waited for him to get back and easily murder him. I mean, really, he is a terrible sorcerer. He couldn't even put out a fire. Also, ugh, I still can't get over the fact that she just walked out the door. That means that any of the sisters could have, could have just left at any time, or at least left when the sorcerer went on his fucking business trips or whatever and left them totally alone. And why, why didn't the sisters put together any of the other people in the room? In the room that was full of chopped up body parts. There were presumably a bunch of other people in there, and now we know that they can be brought back to life. It's kind of mean to then not do that and only do that to the sisters. And then you burn the whole house down so you can't do it at the end either. And if they just killed the sorcerer, they could have taken their time, put the bodies back together, asked the townspeople if any of their relatives have gone missing and to come see if they're there, help match up the body parts, get a doctor in to help match them all up. This could have been handled much better, is my point. And the way it was handled is fucking wonderful insanity. Admittedly, I do love the insanity of these folktales, though. The logical best solution is definitely a way more boring story than this lady putting a skull in the window and then dressing up like a giant fucking bird and greeting wedding guests like, Hello, welcome to the wedding. Please, right this way. Everyone wave at the bride in the window. Yes, yes, she's tired, resting her head on the windowsill. Well, see you later. I'm gonna go do some giant bird stuff. See you at the wedding. Bye-bye. So, yeah, I, I like to poke fun at these stories, but damn. Damn do I love their dark insanity so, so very much. Okay, I think the, I think the first intended lesson here seems to be that things are not always what they appear, which is a lesson that other recent stories have touched on, and the sorcerer gives her everything she wants, but is hiding the dark secret that he murders people and chops them up. However, I think this story doesn't do a great job of expressing this lesson. Firstly, he kidnaps these women, so we know he's not a great guy. After he begins these relationships with kidnapping, you kind of got to expect him to have a murder room, you know? You know he's a bad guy right away, so the whole all that glitters is gold lesson doesn't hold much weight in this case. If you do go with this lesson, you could argue with what I said earlier about if someone tells you not to do something, then don't do it and be like, see, Zach, if they hadn't disobeyed him, then they wouldn't have found out he's a murderer. Well, I addressed that a bit earlier by saying if option one is to live in blissful ignorance and get and do whatever you want, and option two is possibly get murdered because you know that this guy is a crazy kidnapping sorcerer thief who has imprisoned you, because remember back then I, I still thought that you couldn't just leave the place, you would pick option one. And I'd argue that it's not blissful ignorance, because you already know he's a kidnapper and a thief. So you're not ignorant about the fact that he's a bad guy. And yeah, if you do disobey him about the room, then 
be prepared to make some more moves after that. Firstly, the fact that they could leave the house changes literally everything. If they could leave, then just fucking leave. Or be prepared to ambush him and attack him when he gets back so he can't come after you. Don't just sit around with a bloody egg knowing that the insane kidnapper, murderer, thief, sorcerer is gonna find out you disobeyed him, waiting to see what happens, like, I think he'll be cool about this. It might work out. Huh, you know, this kind of begs the question, how did the women feel about the sorcerer? Did they like him? Did they get along at all? We don't get any information about that. Maybe he was just a really fun guy, and they actually fell in love with him, which would definitely involve some Stockholm Syndrome, let's be honest. And then they stayed after knowing that he would find out that they disobeyed him because they didn't care that he was a murderer and wanted to stay with him anyway. But he couldn't live with his his potential wife knowing that he was a murderer, so he killed her because of his shame that she found out. That would actually somehow be even more tragic and disturbing of a story. But damn, that makes just that makes me sad just to think about. If you made a dramatic adaptation of this, that's the angle to go with. Anyway, if one of the lessons there is there might be more underneath the surface of a situation, yes, that's obviously a good lesson, but I don't think the story does a great job articulating it. As far as other lessons, I don't know. This one is so insane that I can't think of many intended lessons. I don't know if this is an intended lesson or just one I'm pulling out, but I think a good lesson here is that you don't necessarily have to play by the rules other people set out for you. And it often helps to think outside the box. And the sorcerer tells her to always carry the egg with her. And she's like, nope, I'm going to do this my own way. And I still think it's insane that he's a sorcerer and had no way of ensuring or verifying that she is actually keeping the egg with her. But that's a problem with the story, not with her actions. Her, her plan to cover herself in feathers and pretend to be a giant bird is also similarly bold and outside the box. I'd argue that it's way too bold and outside the box because it's it's completely insane and would never work. But I, I still like the lesson of sometimes a super audacious and bold plan can work just through shock and surprise and, and owning it. I mean, she owned that giant bird costume and pulled that shit off. So, so that's another lesson, I guess. Be bold. Some other lessons. Don't be friends with evil people because you might get murdered just by association. Definitely be wary of going to any events or celebrations hosted by evil people because it could be a trap, whether that trap is laid by the evil person themselves or by a hero trying to kill the evil person. Another lesson is if you're kidnapped, see if you can just walk out the door, I guess. I know you'd assume that there would be some locks in place or something. Give it a shot. Who knows? Last lesson, if you're on your way to a party and see some insane shit, like a woman covered in honey and feathers who's like, oh yeah, everything's great, party's that way, and then you see a skull in the window, do not go to that party. That is a red flag. You know, actually, actually, if I'm being honest, if you did come across someone like that, covered in feathers, then it would, it would more likely mean that the party is going to be fucking awesome and get excited, because that's going to be a great party. All right, so let's adapt this thing. We're going to have a super handsome sorcerer played by Chris Pine, and he likes to wander the countryside and toy with people and play tricks on people, 
And one day he comes across a house with three beautiful sisters, and the family doesn't know he's a sorcerer. They just think he's a very wealthy merchant, and they're very impressed with him. And the eldest sister, who's played by Zoe Saldana, is very taken with him, and is like, I'll marry him. And she goes to visit and stay with him, and she genuinely really does love him, and he actually begins to love her as well. And let's also say that Chris Pine has a, has a pet bird, who, who's like his best friend, and he talks to all the time, and we've got to have a bird here. It's called a Fitcher's bird. There's got to be a bird. So Chris Pine has a pet bird, who's his BFF. So things are going very well between the two of them, but there's one room that she's never seen in his house, and he's like... Oh, it's it's a storage closet. I lost the key to it ages ago. I, I don't care enough to find it or change the locks. There's nothing important in there anyway. It's a small closet. It doesn't matter. And she just accepts this until one day when Chris Pine is away for the day and she finds a key and thinks maybe it's to that room. And sure enough, it fits. It clicks in the lock and she opens it to see a cellar door. And she goes inside and down the stairs to find a long hall filled with essentially prison cells, and half the cells are filled with, with emaciated-looking people who are a lot living people, some men, but mostly women. And she is horrified, and they plead with her to let them out, but the key she has doesn't fit the locks to let them out, so she's like, I'll, I'll, I'll find a key upstairs, Just I'll, I'll get you out, just give me a minute. And she runs upstairs and searches everywhere for the key, but can't find anything. And then she hears, hears Chris Pine getting back, coming up the lane, and she quickly locks the door again and puts the key back. So Chris Pine comes back, and Zoe is sitting there knowing his secret while, while he's totally oblivious and acting like everything's great. And then Zoe says, Chris, I I found the key. I know. And he's like, what, what, what are you talking about? And Zoe says, I saw the cages. I saw the people in the basement. I know everything. And he's horrified for a moment. And he starts getting angry and moves toward her when Zoe says, it's okay. And he stops and he's confused. And Zoe's like, it's okay. I'll keep your secret. I, I knew you had some darkness in you, but, but I love you. I'll stay with you and keep your secret. And he's surprised and confused, but relieved. And then they embrace and kiss. And then that night they go to sleep. And while they're asleep, Chris does a spell to knock Zoe out. And she wakes up inside one of the cages and chris is like i i couldn't i couldn't live with you knowing everything i couldn't live with the way you'd look at me now even if you love me i can't live with you knowing what i am and still loving me and she's like how could you how dare you and he turns his back on her and leaves her there and it's an ultimate betrayal of love because of his shame and so he tells the family that there was a terrible accident and she, she fell from the cliffs when they were out on a walk along the shore one day. And, and he acts all brokenhearted. And, and, and the family, they feel bad for him. They still think he's a wealthy merchant. And, and so the second sister is like, well, all right, I feel, I'll marry him. We still want to join families. And he agrees. And so she goes to stay with him. And this sister will be played by Dakota Johnson. And so she goes, and they don't get along quite as well. And when she sees the door and he says that the key is lost, she's like, that's weird, you should get a new key, or a new lock, or something. What the hell, you just got a door that you can't open in your house? It's fucking weird, man. And she's always trying to get in there, and being not very subtle about it, and one day when Chris is gone, she just straight up beats the door down, and goes and sees her sister and all the people, and then she turns around and sees Chris Pine standing in the doorway, 
And she's just like, shit. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you should just go in there and join your sister. And he makes up another story for the family about how Dakota Johnson got lost while going on a walk in the woods. And he hasn't seen her in ages. And the parents, they skeptically believe him. But the youngest sister, she's on to him. And she'll be played by Anya Taylor-Joy. And everyone else in her family was, was smitten with him. But she never really fully trusted him. And she wants answers. So she pretends to really like him and goes to stay with him. And one day, Anya Taylor-Joy finds some, some magic mushrooms on the hillside and feeds them to Chris Pine in his dinner. And so he starts tripping out super hard. And the plan was that he gets all tripped out and hallucinating. And then he'll be in a mentally diminished state. And so she can get him to tell her what happened to her sisters. So he's all like totally fucked up. And she asks him what happened to her sisters. But he gets all sad and withdrawn. And he won't say anything. So she's like, shit, what am I going to do? And she gets an idea. And she thinks, you know, he's always talking to and, and opening up to, to that pet bird he's got over there. So she covers herself in honey and then feathers, just like the original story. And then she goes back to Chris Pine as he's tripping out super hard and is like, hey, hey, buddy, it's me, your best pal, your pet bird. And Chris Pine lights up. He's like, hey there, friend. Oh, you look great. And Anya is like, oh, thanks, buddy. Hey, you know who I miss? Those two, those two sisters, whatever happened to them? Are they okay? And Chris is like, yeah, yeah, they were pretty great. They're still okay, but it's a shame. They, they had to go in the basement. And Anya's like, we should go see them. You know, let's go. And she acts all excited about it and gets him excited about it. So he gets the key and takes her downstairs. And her sisters see her dressed as a bird. And they give her a look like, what the, what the hell is going on? But she motions to them just like, just, just go with it. Just go with it. And then Anya Taylor-Joy says, we should let them out of the cages so we can all hang out, you know, play together. And Chris is still super tripped out. He's like, yeah, yeah, that'd be so great. Let's do it. And he runs and he gets the keys to the cells and he lets them out. And then Anya is like, let's just let everyone out of the cages. And then we'll all have a party. And everyone else in the cages perks up and plays along. And they're like, yeah, woohoo, let's party, sorcerer Chris Pine. And Chris Pine looks around and he says, oh, cool, yeah, yeah. And he lets everyone out of their cells, and they all start dancing. And when Chris's back is turned, Zoe Saldana grabs a, a stool and smashes him over the head with it and kills him. Straight up kills him. And everyone runs out of the house, and then they set it alight and burn the entire magical house to the ground with the sorcerer's body inside. And the sisters return home with much joy, and the other prisoners return to their homes as well, and there are many tearful reunions, and they all live happily ever after the end. And that's how we adapt it. And that will do it for this week's story session. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Come on back next week for a story titled The Juniper Tree. Love a story about a magical old tree. Or maybe it's just a normal tree and a bunch of crazy shit happens around the tree. We will find out next week. My name is Zach Stewart and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions.